Welcome to the Black Girl Flow podcast, a space dedicated to creating conversation that pushes us to be in alignment and at peace with ourselves and the world around us. We are about cultivating joy, growth, and success in our life, love, and identity. So join us as we find our flow. We are your hosts, Liv and Lex, two 20-something-year-old Black girls working every day to be in flow, and we want you along this journey with us. On today's episode, we're talking about what it takes to leap into a new venture and switching up from that 9-to-5 lifestyle to joining a groundbreaking startup company. And no better person to join us than Danielle Washington. Danielle Washington is CMO and co-founder of Rebundle, the brand that is creating space for black women in clean beauty and the first U.S.-made plant-based braiding hair brand. Danielle aspires to reinforce the historical and cultural importance of black hair care through storytelling and building a legacy that puts black women's health and love for hair first. Before launching Rebundle's premier product, Braid Better, Danielle earned her bachelor's degree in business management from the University of Missouri-Columbia. Post-undergrad, Danielle started her professional career as a financial consultant at EY, where she focused on digital strategy and agile ways of working. Danielle is now devoted to positioning Rebundle as an emerging thought leader for clean beauty in the hair extension industry. During the conversation, Danielle shares so much of her own journey and how she's joined the vision for Rebundle. So we hope you all really enjoy this episode and take some notes. So enjoy. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Black Girl Flow podcast. We are now in the midst of spring. The flowers are blossoming. The weather is getting warmer. I am now shopping for new swimsuits to lay in the sun and bask in my beautiful black skin. We have such a wonderful and special guest joining us today, Danielle Washington. Thank you so much for joining us. Danielle has actually been on the podcast before, Mm -hmm. but we had to bring her back because before she was dropping gems and you know, we just have to, catch up with her and again like share all of the beautiful knowledge that she has to share so thank you so much Danielle for joining us today and y'all know we love to kick it off with our pulse checks with which is just a time for us to you know ground ourselves figure out what's going on in our lives a quick check-in so Lexi why don't you yeah why don't you kick us off well spring has officially sprung (laughs) and it definitely feels like that so I in a weird way like in kind of not I'm like very appreciative of what the winter was so I'm like mm. in that I'm still in that transition phase of like oh my gosh like it was quiet a lot of big things happened and now spring's coming and it feels like oh my gosh like we're getting busy it's that summertime vibe again so I'm still transitioning to that that sense and that vibe yeah um but I'm really looking forward to a lot of things we have now been living together for a super long time and I just like I don't know if there's two types of people in this world, but the ones that get suspicious when too many good things happen know, to them. I know. Like, yeah. and I'm just like, okay, um, life's going well. Really well. I'm right. like really loving, loving, 
bliss. Like there's lots of things to look forward to. And I'm like, mm-hmm. when is this show going to drop? Like, yeah. but also trying to be like, but we're not putting that out there. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely in that phase where I'm just like, grateful, just grateful. We're just grateful. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Very honeymoon stage-ish. Yes. And speaking of honeymoon stages, I think that perfectly transitions to Danielle who has had Probably all the major life events happen over the winter and fall time. So, Danielle, how are you coming into the space today? Uh, I'm coming in. I think you guys hit it on the the nail on the head. Grateful. Like, I think I really am coming in grateful. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I completely agree. I'm one of those people who's like, whoo, there's so many good things happening. Like, what's right. going on? Like, I'm on cloud nine and just being um, grateful for being blessed um, and just like, owning those things um I think remembering them I think is really important right now so that's how I'm coming in oh I love that gratitude. if you ain't grateful you ain't with <laughs> so. gratitude is definitely the name of the game like 2022 I feel like so many people again myself included are reinventing themselves they're like you know, really trying to tap into their inner child and show up authentically. And for my pulse check, I'm actually about to travel to Thailand for two weeks. And yeah, which is kind of nuts because when I went to see a psychic around my birthday, she told me that I was going to have an international trip and that was going to be like super beneficial for me. And so it's a little weird because it's like, all right, did I make this happen because the psychic told told me that this was going to happen? Or did I just like, you know, kind of fall into this? But I'm super excited. I've never been to any country in Asia. And I feel like whenever I travel, I become like more grounded, more self-aware. Like I, I always leave with something. So that's what I'm super excited for. And yeah, thanks ladies for sharing the post tag. And I think you mentioned something that I think probably, and I'm curious to the rest of the Black Girl Flow community too, that like because COVID happened to many of us in the middle of our 20s, like in a lot of ways, I think you you talk a lot about your rebranding and like you're blogging about it and very much really interactive with that. But I think a lot of us, we're calling it a rebrand, but it's also just like we're kind of finally getting a chance to re-engage with where we were and like acknowledging the change that like, of course, we're not the same that we were, but I think a lot of people can probably resonate to this sense of like a rebrand or like feeling like there's an emergence, like I'm emerging. Mm. I don't know how that sits with you, Danielle, but I think a lot of us can just be like, yeah, the past two years has been like costed us a lot in our 20s absolutely and we're in a different place but what are we going to do with this now yeah for sure for sure and I also feel like that personally like leads us into today's conversation because like Lexi was saying Danielle like there have been some major life updates for you since the last time that we spoke like you are now co-founder of Rebundle and you are now a fiance like those are two huge things. And, you know, I really kind of want to get into how it is being a co-founder of a company, like, because before you were working in corporate and I feel like there's been this great resignation where a lot of people are leaving their nine to five jobs and, you know, figuring out what they like, like starting businesses, doing all of these amazing things. And so could you just kind of speak to the life changes that you've had and like, 
how has it been leaving corporate and, you know, being a full-blown entrepreneur, like, recognized by so many amazing, like, uh, business corporations, yeah, Yeah, and platforms. Wow, thank you so much. I appreciate you guys um, for recognizing that I am now a fiancé, of course, and a co-founder. I am, um, I think that it's just been a whirlwind of things, like, I have to tell you guys the the engagement story. Well, I'm sure you guys thought on my story anyway, but like there's some funny things now that I have to tell you about. Um, But being a um, leaping from corporate and into the entrepreneurial space was very difficult for me. Mm. Um, I was introduced, I asked to help with Rebundle in 2020. and Rebundle was founded in 2019. Mm. So I had joined in a just like, let me help. How can I support capacity? I know social media. I know a little bit of things about aesthetic. Um, yeah. I didn't know how to build the, the processes of how to build a brand, which is what I learned a lot from my fiance. Mm. Um, and I think things really, really sped up after we did our um, first campaign shoot in November, 2020. Right. And product in 2021. And all of that time I was still working corporate. So like working my nine to five and then just like on the side, um, trying to support with Rebundle as much as I could. And I think that the pressure of working corporate and working um, for Rebundle or like supporting Rebundle was like very difficult because you go through this like imposter syndrome of like mm, of course I want this enough um will this be able to sustain my lifestyle um and just like all the things that comes with taking a leap of some into something you're not familiar with so I would say life changes like like that um that a lot of the confusion a lot of trying to figure it out I also took um, a sabbatical from work for two from corporate for two months just trying to like re-engage with myself Mm. Um, emotionally and then um, finally took the leap after realizing I wasn't going to go back um, to corporate and then like two months later got engaged Um, (laughs) and then um, yeah then we announced that we raised like 1.4 million which is now 1.7 million for rebundle for plant-based hair extension so um, all of those things I think just I just feel really like raw. Like I just feel, and not like in the like, oh, she's so dope way, just like overexposed, overstimulated, but like yeah. for, where, for where I am. No, for sure. When we talk about doing all of the adulting things at once, like that was a, that's a, you hit a lot of milestones, I would say. And I think you bring up a point that a lot of us can probably resonate. I know Liv and I have a lot of conversations about this of, you know, some people, everybody's on that spectrum of kind of entering their 20s, entering the workforce. And you don't always, a lot of the times it works backwards. It's not that you go in knowing what you want. It's as you enter, you start to take note of what you don't want. You start to make these little notes of like, ah, this corporate life, like I thought it was going to be, but it's like, well, I only had an internship. I didn't know what working a nine to five in the corporate life was Mm. like. I don't know what it looks like to be a manager. I don't know what it looks like. So you start making notes as you go. And you mentioned a couple of things about like 
facing imposter syndrome, or even evaluating in that two month time span of like the cost of being in that corporate. And I'm in the nonprofit world and I don't want people to get it twisted at all. It costs us all like the labor that we have mm. to ex- exert. It's like, come on, let's like, like, I'm not trying to shade corporate like that. Cause at least they'd be paying. Right. Okay. <laughs> so I really would love to just kind of chat about like some of those barriers and kind of breaking them down of what it takes to kind of take that leap of faith because overcoming imposter syndrome and taking that leap of faith is like what we aspire to do. So how do we, or how were you able to move through that? Or was it one of those things that you're like, yeah, I was not convinced. So I had to, I was committed to convincing myself, you know, Mm. kind of thing. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. I'm going to try to like dig deep to answer this, not give like the over like, um, simplified version of it. I think the first thing that comes to mind was that like the financial impact that I would take, um, Mm -hmm. from leaving um, corporate Mm -hmm. to startup life. Mm -hmm. Um, when you're, when I was in corporate, I received a pay increase every year. Like it was like expected. Mm -hmm. The Climbing the hierarchy was like, you know, if you're is simply just doing your job and trying your best, likely you're going to like climb from like staff to senior to manager and progress on. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you get more competitive as you grow, but like thinking about that type of stability and then leaving to follow something that is that you're so that you believe in is definitely like a struggle that required like faith. It required me to pray, to talk to my family about it talk to my parents and say like, Hey, I think I'm going to leave this job and like seeing their fear or, and also seeing them believe that I could do it were things that motivated me to like really evaluate how I was going to make the leap, like not to just do it as drastically as possible. Um, not like when I say drastically, I mean, like, I didn't just like leave. (laughs) (laughs) Then I would say that um, having a community around me that believed that I could do more. So like mm. my best friends, my sisters, my fiance, um, my aunt, my aunts, my uncles, um, believing in me to do something more. Um, and I think little seeds were planted along the way. So like when I was in college, I had no idea what I wanted to study. I just studied business because I knew I needed to get a job and I just worked to get through college. Um, and then when I started to like fail accounting, <laughs> I think I took that class like twice. Um, <laughs> I was like, this is not for me. So right. I, I can't be an accountant and I can't go into finance. Um, I can't have a finance degree. I guess I'll do marketing, but it's business marketing, not creative marketing. But I still held down a position in finance for a big four accounting firm, even though I didn't have the accounting degree. So like there was a lot of like wishy wash back and forth of like, do I, can I still do this? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess I say like, I knew that I wasn't, my purpose wasn't just like business only. Um, I knew that I wanted to be in a creative field. And in college, I cut off all my hair. I did my big chop and um, seeing myself in that way made me think more about like my, my, um, like my inner beauty and like what it meant for me to really be myself without any additional things, um, mm-hmm. hair extensions, even braids, like mm-hmm. to look very like um, childlike in some ways. Mm-hmm. 
So I think like that type of transition made me in, inherently start to look more into hair care. Um, and then in corporate, I noticed the lack of hair variety and styles that were in the office. Um, and that I noticed how it felt for me to feel like discrimination, shout out to the Crown Act, but just passed the house yesterday or the day before. Um, but like, I noticed those feelings and all of what I was feeling kind of just pushed me even further to think like, this is the direction that I need to go. I didn't know what my passion was. I didn't know what I was meant to do. Um, but I did take all that I had learned and all that I experienced and saw that I could bundle it into this one thing. So long story short, I would say that it was couples, my life experiences that made me believe that I could do this. Um, my community, um, I was nervous about the financial hit, um, but thankfully my co-founder raised enough money for me to be able to leap into um, a base salary that could cover all of my basic needs. Um, and then from there, like seeing that we had a runway of funding that could also like last us for a, a, at least a year, year or two. Um, and like, that was it. It was kind of just like, I have to do it. I remember my fiance saying like, I'll cover you. Like if something goes wrong, like I got it. Um, we're going to be okay. And this was before we were fiance. Like this was like May before. Like the mm. He probably knew. He was like, don't worry. Like, I'm a, don't worry. Like, I'm going to do more than what you think I'm going to do. But you didn't know that in the moment. So you were like, okay. He's like, I'm about to put a ring on it. <laughs> oh, I had no idea. And yeah. So like, I, I don't think that everyone has like, I know that not everyone has like a life partner or someone that even sees like life or the foresight or vision for you. So I would yeah. say that huge like every day, like I could on my worst day, he was just like, yeah, we got this. Like, it's going to be fine. Go do it. Like, yeah, so. I can definitely see that adding comfort, but still like, it is a scary process doing something that I feel like, you know, we're really raised in like, we're pushed to be in corporate. We're pushed to go to school and then find a good job that can pay you well and then stay there until you retire. Like you kind of leave the passions at the door. And it's funny because I feel like this is the exact conversation Liv and I are having right now. Mm -hmm. Like we were on the couch the other day and she was literally telling me, I think Danielle, even you're just like, I went into college, like not even knowing why, like you were just saying the other no, day. No, yeah. A lot of this, a lot of your journey resonates with me so much. Cause I look at you, I look at you as a creative, you know what I mean? And so like, for me, I'm in a current predicament right now where I really wanted to preserve my creativity for things like the podcast or things like, you know, my clothing line, things that I could do outside of work. I didn't want to pick a career path where I would have to use my creativity to market a certain product, right? And so now I'm in a position where I'm in, I would call a type A career path where you have to be super task oriented. It kind of goes against everything that I am as a creative. And I thought it would be really challenging and cool to, you know, see how that would work. But now I'm really struggling because I'm like, this is not natural to me. Like, this is not natural to me. And every, not to sound like a spiritual kooky person, but, you know, every spiritual counselor or psychic birth chart reader like they've told me that I am made for entrepreneurship like that's what I should I be doing I also have been telling her that and I'm yes. no spiritual leader or guru I'm like girl you're gonna work for yourself I don't care what you sound you're never you gonna doing. be satisfied you're gonna be working for yourself you could only be your own boss yeah but I'm like that 
scares me, you know, like it feels very comfortable sometimes. And I, I don't want to say it scares me, but it, yeah, it makes me feel like a little unsettled. And so I think I'm in my process of, for one, settling in Durham and, you know, seeing how that is, but also trying to figure out if I were to become an entrepreneur, what does that exit strategy look like? Cause you really like, you know, you had an exit strategy. And I think that's what I see is like the similarities. And what I think is pretty common when you are valuing that, I do think that there are types of people that just jump into the deep end. Like there are some people who are like, you know, right. today's Friday, tomorrow's Monday, or, you know, in a couple of days, it's Monday. And by Monday, I'm going to be in a car on a plane, like doing something different. Yeah. The last straw. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that there's a dynamic when you put a lot of layers to the, like, as operating as a black person in this world, there's so many external messages that you kind of have to pace yourself. And what I see is this intentional, like when there, there's a level of self-awareness that when life is presenting you with all these things is saying like how does this impact me and I see Mm. you going back being like so I'm in this predicament I'm seeing where my skill set is where where this career path is taking me where in my path did I not honor that passion and Mm. you even went back to your major and you were like I should have been a psychology and a journalist major yeah right and it's like and I'm like and now I go back and I remember her talking even when she was getting her graphic design degree Mm -hmm. she was just like yeah but I'm like, I know I'm good at this, but this isn't it. And now I'm like, oh yeah, you've been saying that. Like you've been, but it's that kind of going back. And I think Danielle, you talked about like even cutting your hair. It's in those moments of stillness that you don't find the plan. Like it's not going to be clearly articulated, but you you start to find where the journey begins. And it's like, it's going back to those moments and seeing that. And I can see you kind of unpacking in in your emergence. Um, But it's interesting because I just went through like in my organization, this like uh, change seminar. So like Mm -hmm. organizational change and how it happens. And they put up this graph that's really, really cool. Um, You can literally just Google like change transition organizational change. Like it'll it'll pop up. But it's like on a on a graph and what it is is three zones, ending, letting go, moving on, a neutral zone and then new beginnings. Mm. And they say in the neutral zone is where people feel the most discomfort because it's the highest level of uncertainty, but it's also the space for the most creativity mm. and the most innovation. Mm. So they're like, if we can learn to be okay with uncertainty, then we can actually innovate the most in that space. But people try and jump, but it's like exactly what you all articulate. You have to go through this process of letting go and moving on and visioning to get to that creativity, to get to the new beginning. Like it does not happen overnight. And that's why I just love to hear that kind of reflected back and forth to each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. I think something I'll add that I'm hearing from both of you is that in your corporate or nonprofit positions where I would say like um, that you may any position that you don't categorize as like startup or entrepreneurial yet there Mm -hmm. are skills that you learn in those positions um, that you can tweak and turn into the ways that you operate in your own business Mm -hmm. Um, even like seeing a transition or like the how would I call it the growth of your podcast is that you know, you guys learned like, hey, we're actually going to start batch shooting more. We want to keep going after this thing. Um, we're relocating and living together because like, we know that we want to do this. We want to have more access to each other, like teaming wise. 
um, some of those things you learn like through your professional work experiences that don't have to do with anything, anything to do with startup, um, like processes, org charts, um, how to manage your time, how to respond to emails in an appropriate way that like get to point across, it's clear and concise. Um, you learn how to manage money, depend on a paycheck. Like there's things that you learn and I, I'm, I think I don't speak to it enough that I was grateful that I worked in a corporate space. Mm -hmm. um, was so challenging. I feel like every day it taught me aspects of what it means to build my own own business. Um, and even the greens, this sweatshirt is from the greens co. Um, we used to have a store um, in undergrad, and it was called the greens. Um, and I, I was um, a manager for this space. And it was Curtis mm. and his brother Marquis's store. The everything that I did there from building an intern program to doing everything HR, building out processes for inventory, um, anything like that, I had learned from another space. So like working in retail, working in corporate as a consultant, as an intern, like I just transferred all of that. So I think some of it's like gross, you know, like, oh, like, I don't like this. Like, what is B&I? Like, you know, stuff like that. But like, you can really take that and be a leader in your own business. The discipline that you learn there, I think, does transfer. So like, just remember that. <laughs> I love that. And I think that that's something that all of our listeners should keep in mind, you know, like, if you're at a job right now that you don't like or internship, wherever the case may be, there are always certain skill sets that you can use to apply to whatever you want to do in the future. Like this doesn't have to be the end all be all like, you know, sit on it, pray on it, figure out how your exit strategy can work to your favor and start like mapping out what you would like to do and figure out how you can sit in the neutral as Lexi would would say, you know, and, and be uncomfortable, but still feel fulfilled that you're at least trying to go after your purpose, because we all have a purpose. And, you know, we don't ever want to go throughout life, ignoring that purpose for the sake of being in corporate or appealing to other people, like we all have a light within us. And I really want to touch on, you know, your big chop, because that seems like, you know, well, first of all, it was a, it was a cultural, like, moment You're a movement. For, it yeah. was a movement for so many black women and I I love how your your storytelling and like how how you talk about the preservation of hair stories and stuff like that like how you've been able to really take that part of yourself that history of the big chop that cultural moment and turn it into something that is a space for other black women to also you know, join and participate in. So if you could share more about that and the story behind Rebundle for those that aren't familiar, like I would love to get into that. Okay, yeah. Well, I'll start with a big chop. So I um, wore like sew-ins and uh, tried to wear my natural hair after wearing sew-ins for years. Um, but there was always the leave-out section of my hair that was heat damaged and didn't quite match with the rest of my hair. So I kind of was just like, okay, F it. Like, I'll just keep processing my hair. And eventually there were no more curls. And I remember one day my fiance asked my Curtis, my boyfriend at the time asked me mm -hmm. what um, would be the next healthiest thing for your hair? Because I had gone through like coloring my hair, things that I didn't do when I was in like high school or younger mm -hmm. that I was just like experimenting with. And I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to go back to like my normal, which was like a long, dark, one be so in virgin Indian hair. <laughs> and um, 
through like seeing all the videos on YouTube, which I think is a huge piece of what it meant to like go natural to cut your hair off, like seeing all the representation of stories was like, okay, I can do this. People have done it. So um, I had a few friends of mine cut off all of my hair, a glass of wine in hand, and it felt like a very renewing experience. Um, <clears throat> a lot of things come with cutting off your hair. Um, when you no longer have it, you have to style yourself differently. You can notice how people engage with you differently. Um, your image of yourself, of myself was different. Um, and then like entering professional and educational spaces was like always like, oof, like, can I wear my hair like this? And that's kind of how my slick back bun that I like love to wear all the time with the part in the middle became such a thing because sometimes I find myself hiding my hair or wanting to look a little bit more like clean and sleek. And the TWA didn't always work like that for me. Um, but it also felt like I was like doing myself a disservice because I like cut my hair off um, for a reason and then I was hiding it. So I've grown um, and realized like what I like more. Um, but I would say that, oh, let me pause. Like, did you have either of you guys done a big chop before? Yeah, so mine actually happened due to a punishment. So I had my hair cut off by my Jamaican father, Caribbean people can relate. It was a crazy experience. Yes, yeah, so mine was kind of forced upon me, but I would say that having that experience of having the big chop from having permed damage, like when you're talking about breakage and all that's like relatable. Um, having that experience is definitely an experience like no other. Cause yeah, you see how different people were mistaking me as a boy. Like it's a humbling experience, especially when you aren't someone like myself that like knows how to style it in cute ways and like has kinkier hair texture. Like some people do the big chop is like, oh, it's nice and curly. Like, <laughs> you know, like it looks all nice and renewed, but, um, yeah, that's pretty much what started my natural hair journey. Like it was kind of forced upon me but it ended up I made it a beautiful thing and then you most recently locked your hair yeah mm -hmm. and and that's been like the best journey ever so okay. yeah I never I still dream about a big chop I'm what we call like a wimp in the game <laughs> but you know for me I think my relationship to hair is still like mini is so tied into like our identity development and so for me, it was actually, you know, I went to a private school, was one of very few Black girls in the school. And I think because I'm also light-skinned, it was very much like trying to play into the Eurocentric beauty standards. But I actually got on Accutane, which is like an intense acne medication that basically shuts down your oil gland systems in your whole body and then reboots it. So when that happened and Black people need oil in their hair, my hair actually was falling out in like massive chunks because it was just so dry and there wasn't anything I could do. Because it's one thing to like coat your hair in shea butter and cocoa butter, like, or, you know, coconut mm -hmm. oil and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's like, if your body is not producing it, that it's one different thing. So my hair used to be like luscious and big and it just like literally just fell out and got, so I had to chop it super, super short. And I think that's then when I started to be like, all right, like we have to figure out, like you said, a new way of doing this. 
Um, and then I come from like a very mixed family and my mom has this like beautiful, I call it Michelle Obama hair. Um, so she never really, like, she always just put my hair in two braids. So for me, it was very much having to learn how to like care for my own hair Mm. and like doing a lot of the trial runs of like, what's a sew-in, what's box braids, like all of these things. Um, but so much of it too, being mindful of like, I think I've always used my hair to try and be like, you know, again, light skin drama, but like, um, you know, we try and play into the like, I'm gonna be extra black. So I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be trying to rep all of it. Right. But I always go back and forth about a big chop. I'm just, it's not, it hasn't called me yet. So did that process of like embracing your hair happen after high school? Um, I think like going, finishing high school finishing into college. High school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My, my hair, my big chop happened my freshman year of high school. So yeah, hair, but we all, we have, we all have our hair stories and it Every, continues yeah, to be, absolutely. and I think, you know, rebundle and, you know, folks can really should get connected with just like the origin story. Cause I think y'all make a space for like, and that's what I, that's what I really like resonates with me. It's like y'all make a space for those stories along with the mission and like I want you to kind of chat a little bit about that too because it's not just about like ethical like hair care options for black women but it's also about like exactly that like honoring our relationship because what we know is that you're you know getting your hair braided and in your relationship to your hair is such a cultural landmark it's such a part of our identity yeah and it looks so different for so many people yeah so I like talk a little bit about like carrying a brand and a product that's so much more than just the actual material which is phenomenal like Like, mm eco-friendly hair braiding like like that's nuts Thank you. That's how I felt when I heard about it for the first time. And thank you guys for telling me a little bit about your hair stories. Not every hair story has to have a big chop um, or it doesn't always, it's not always your own decision. Um, so I appreciate you guys sharing that. Um, Rebundle. So Rebundle was really birthed out of Sierra's personal discomfort with um, plastic synthetic braiding hair. And also being like this incredible sustainability guru, but like extremely low key about it. Like she would be on her story and like showing like Ziploc bags that you shouldn't buy that are like not reusable single use waste. And then be like, look at these I got from Target that you could like use again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and just like kind of blowing your mind with the simple things because like I knew her, but didn't know her to, it, it was like this thing, like I just like discovered about her. I'm like, what? Like you care about this? Like, it's not just recycle, like my water bottles and like glass materials when I can. Right. Um, she made it like more of a lifestyle. And what the beauty, the beauty of her story is that a lot of black women experience scalp irritation from plastic synthetic care. It's actually one in three women experience scalp irritation from plastic synthetic care, which is just one too many. Um, And I would say like when when I started to uncover the facts of like plastic synthetic care and its impacts on our body um, and our endocrine system and like all of the things that it can disrupt, um, including like alopecia, um, skin irritation, like all the way down your face, down your back, anywhere that hair touches, those were things that really made me gravitate towards it because you don't always hear about black women being at the center or even close to the center of conversations about sustainability 
but plastic braiding hair being something that's just so uninvestigated, um, like goes under the radar, like no one's thinking about it. Um, and on top of our hairstyles already being like black and Afrocentric hairstyles already being something that people do not understand. Like, how did you come into the office one day and your hair is down your ass? And then like the next day your hair is like up to your ears. Like, why do people like people have so many questions about it? Um, but never like actually take the time to research it, which is why like every black person or African-American person is just like, yo, do your own research. But like, this is not the specific topic or niche that they're going to look for. Um, so I say all that to say that Rebundle Insure is a plant-based hair extensions company. Um, we primarily sell braiding hair at this time made of banana fiber, and we focus on more comfort and less waste. And something that I like to say is, um, that, oh, that we say is that our hair is better for our scalps and better for our environment. So our scalps being the people who wear our product and it's made by people who wear the product. And um, our environment means literally that this is an everybody problem. 30 million pounds of plastic synthetic waste, synthetic hair goes into US landfills every year. And that's just like insane to think about. Like, you know how much digging it took to find that metric? And there's like so much more data that's just like not even um, consolidated because no one cares or did. Um, and I think just to add to that, like, you know, when you scratch your scalp and you just think like, oh, like this is just like, um, like I'm in here just itching. Like that is like definitely a reaction to the products. Like it, it may like mm -hmm. the most subtle like thing, like you don't really, like you're like, oh, you know, I was on FaceTime with Sierra one day and I had on, I had plastic braids in my hair and I scratched my scalp. She's like, did you just itch? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh shoot, I guess I did. Cause I considered myself someone who didn't have reactions to hair, but mm -hmm. like, it was so normalized for me. Like, so that's a little of the origin story who we are now and today. Um, definitely love marketing to, to the modern black woman um, as well. Like in our communication style, the imagery we use, our branding, it's something that feels like prestige and everyday luxury and comparison to what I think we're used to on the market. That is a beautiful like story. And thank you for providing all of that background. I want all of us as black women, as a collective to transition into being eco-friendly, sustainable baddies. And you're right. Like that's just not something that we ever think to think about. Like, is this going to go straight into the landfill? Is this going to contribute to damaging the environment? And I wonder, like, it just makes me wonder so much about everything else that we do. I think as a culture for black women, like acrylic nails, like what, what is our impact on the environment and how can we, how can we start thinking about ways to become more sustainable so we can all be eco-friendly baddies? You know what I mean? It's a, it's giving me reinventing ourselves, but <laughs> yeah, no. we're going to do this. We might as well, but I think I love brands and I think that's why I have such an affinity for black brands because the idea that it is, it's like, it's caring for the folks that use the product, but there also is a collective impact and story to it. And if we ever forget that piece of it, of the puzzle, then we're also missing an opportunity to connect. And I think that's why there is still the space for the hair stories. There still is the space for envisioning a community and, and a planet that we don't currently have right now. And that's the type of stuff that I think is really going to change the game and 
<laughs> is changing the game rebundle, you know, and gets the necessary clout. And, and I think all of us, we have a responsibility to ensure that companies and businesses like rebundle continue to scale because they're modeling the new way of business that we should all be, which is engaging in products that do benefit everybody. And being very clear that we're, we can do both and that we can have, you know, uh, profits and, and opportunities and high quality products and also be making our planet a better space. And I agree with you, Liv, like we can start to interrogate that. And there are businesses who are committed to that, like Rebundle and many others that we need to continue to uplift. And mm. last week's episode, or we did an episode in March about like giving the flowers, like we need to give y'all your flowers, like for the culture, for the culture, for the planet. For, for the planet. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And we would love to end on asking you, what does flow and being in flow mean to you? Okay. Before I answer that question, yes, I have, I have to touch on more of the story piece that you guys asked me in your original question. Yes. Uh, so I would say that with Rebundle, um, telling stories about people who wear braids or yeah, braids because our product is primarily braids now. I think the important part of that is capturing like the luxury and the I would say like the sentimental aspects of what it means to get your hair braided. Mm. It's culturally like a moment of peace. It's culturally a moment of rest um, when you're getting your hair braided. And then you feel like you're the, just like the baddest or the most beautiful or the most um, clean or just like whatever your term is that you fill in here, you just feel even better about yourself. Mm. Um, and I think that that's, the, that's also a part that the world who doesn't wear braiding hair um, doesn't understand. They just see the end product. And a lot of times that's like demonized. A lot of times that's um, seen as unprofessional, that's seen as just like unkept, but like not realizing that this is something that's passed down generation after generations. It's a craft, it's an art. Um, and when you're getting your hair styled, it's also a therapeutic moment. A lot of times between you and your stylist, you and whoever is doing your hair or just yourself because you're, it's a form of self-care. Um, so I think that's important to touch. And I don't think that, um, I don't think that a lot, I've seen a lot of braiding hair brands do that where they talk about like, what is it like for your end consumer to actually use the hair in the process of it mm -hmm. from like a psychological, like self-care perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, I did a piece, um, with Katie who is a breast cancer survivor and we created pink hair just for breast cancer awareness. And we're very um, critical about like the color choices that we have. And pink is something we'll always carry when we're back in stock. I understand that's everyone's biggest question. Um, <laughs> but um, because we chose pink hair, we, it was really important for us to have it on a breast cancer survivor where she opened up to us in what we call better moments. Mm -hmm. So better moments is like, tell us about, you know, Sometimes it's like opening up the doors of vulnerability within yourself um, and just talking us through. We're very much inside of your head, however you want that to look, how you want it to feel, and just allowing us to ask you questions about your life and your experience in relation to hair. Um, but it, hair is not always at the epicenter of it. Sometimes it's just symbolic and sometimes it's just like, um, like an avenue. 
to get to like the, the things that you think about most and don't always get a chance to share. So um, storytelling is definitely something I want to continue to do. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely consider myself one to preserve hair stories um, and like what it means and how it impacts like our daily lives. So yes, I had to add that in there because I was like, I think I talked a lot about sustainability, but like I don't talk a lot about the story aspect, I think, and I could do more of that. So yeah. No, of course. And like, even I feel like getting braids or just like doing your hair is something that all black women have to have to do before going on vacation, even like, it's just like something that we have to do, like in order to feel the best, it's a, it is a thing that we do for our own self-care and like to feel beautiful. So I think that there are like, I think the storytelling aspect is so beautiful. Yeah. So yes. So what does flow mean to you? What does flow mean to me? I think that it means like, you just kind of like, I don't know when I think flow, I think it just means like you kind of just go with the flow. Like that's the immediate thing that comes to my mind. Absolutely. And I think that that's something that I, I do often, but a lot of times it gets like interrupted by whether it's my own thoughts or um, just like life events. And it makes it like harder to go with the flow. So I think going with the flow is something to aspire to for myself. Like, like, you know, like, when I feel like I have anxiety or I feel like um, I'm not sure what to do next, um, I feel like flow could be synonymous for me with faith um, mm-hmm. because when I'm going with the flow, I kind of associate that with me not necessarily having like so much control over the outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only person uh, being in my life that has the control over that is God. So I would say that going close, definitely aspirational is something that I think only my creator has control over. Mm -hmm. And um, things that happen in life can often like kind of change the course of that direction, but Mm -hmm. I will get realigned like through prayer, through Bible reading, which I could always do more of scripture um, and just like remembering who, who, whose I am. Um, I think that that's probably the most important thing when I think of flow. I know. But there's nothing left to say with that. That's just beautiful. That's like, I think a lot of us, if we sit with that, we can feel that, that somehow flow can be this grounding moment for us, but it is also a commitment to the movement and the faith that's so associated with this. So love that, love everything about this conversation because every time we talk to you, we're like, we could talk for hours. (laughs) So I'm so glad we get to bring this conversation to the Black Girl Flow community. And I already know everyone's gonna wanna connect. So let us know like where do folks here and go to be on that listserv. So when it's back in stock, there can be the first ones and also connect to the work that you're and projects that you're working on. So drop the handles, where can the listeners connect with y'all yes um i'd love for you to follow me on instagram at living.washington who knows if that will turn you cooler in the future i know Um, (laughs) and then um connect with the brand at rebundle.co on instagram our link tree will connect you to all of our other platforms um so you can see on tiktok Mm -hmm.
come to TikTok because, okay, we're trying to grow in there. And Absolutely. I might even get some tips from you guys actually on that. Um, yeah, come to TikTok. We have some older content on YouTube from before our rebrand um, and stuff like that. But really, you'll hear most about it from Instagram, our newsletters, and Amazing. Danielle, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Just for your presence, your words, your insight, all of it. I know that we're just so happy that you got to come back. And folks, I don't think this is the last time Danielle's going to be on the podcast. I'm just going to put it out there. We're manifesting. We're intentions. But that is all we have for this week's episode. And we'll close it out like we do every, every episode with peace, love, blessings. Bye, y'all. Bye. All right, that wraps up our episode this week. Don't forget to go check out Black Girl Flow Podcast on social media and even check out our new YouTube channel to continue the conversation there. We really appreciate if y'all could rate and subscribe our channel. And with that said, see you all next time. Rest well, folks.